3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
1: Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the
3: pouring rain. WC Handy, will you look down over me?
4: Welcome to Trot's Life for your Wednesday edition. Toby McKinnon, the host, commonly known as Wednesday with a Wombat. And I've been playing that as the intro, that Walking in Memphis song. I quite like it. Uh a good mate of mine said he loves that song and I'd played it once. He said, I love that song when you play that song. So uh, that one is for him. Uh, as I'm not sure if he'd be listening, but we've had a big week one way or another. There's been a, a bit going on behind the scenes, but that's okay. And uh, just off the cuff, uh, get involved zero four double nine seven three There is something I'm going to play when I get my first text message from a regular listener. So who that regular listener is, uh, I did see something on uh, socials last night. They'll know what I'm talking about, I reckon. Uh, and as soon as I get that first text message, as long as it's not in one of my interviews, uh, I'll play that a little uh, snippet that I have on the button bar here. It all makes sense to a couple of us. Now, guest today... Scott Garbutt, a name, the Garbutt name uh, has bobbed up here and there with some nice horses as well. And I had a bit of a squizzy at uh, at Scott and thought, yep, he is connected to that name. He's just a, a new name. He's only had the 18 starters, he's yet to get a winner. Not 100% sure his first winner will come tonight on his uh, sunset invasion on Geelong tonight. And those that uh, know the name and the family well would know that uh, David Garbutt... Now, I don't know it yet, but I'm pretty confident that David at age 71 and Scott at 45, they, and both from Hopeton Park, uh, I'm guessing a father and son. So uh, I would say that is the case. We will interview Scott and we will find out, though, uh, that exactly. Game plan for tonight. And I found two tonight and... (laughs) at at about 9.30 and they were great value and both have uh, shortened significantly by about 40% each of them and I haven't even announced it I haven't had I don't bet of course Uh, so obviously they were value and some other people have thought the same as what I did and I still think they are so game plan is on I'll also I've also done up a uh, another place multi as well as I think there's we can get some value out of putting a whole heap of horses together for a bit of a place multi throughout the night and see if we can't get. I think there's five of them in it for Big Fella this week. Oh, it's the Big Fella place multi. He loves. I think. He, I think he loves doing a uh, place multi. So um, I thought to myself, I know he enjoys doing them, so I wouldn't mind putting them together for him. I was just going to do them and, and text him, text them to him, and I thought that's a bit of a bit unfair on everybody else. Uh, so uh, that is. <laughs> Aaron Co just sent me through a text that ding. No, it's not you, Aaron. So uh, you, you, you're not getting it. Um, there will be Garrick Knight, though, and his Valvoline ad, which was getting recounted the Valvoline ad uh, in the late hours of the night on Friday night after Miltura trots in the Gateway pub. Uh, we were. I was doing Valvoline 80 impersonations, <laughs> which was a bit of bit of good fun. Looking forward to getting back up in Mildura. I'll be up in Mildura three times next month, so uh, looking forward to my ups and backs to Mildura over the coming month. We've also got Terry Howard on, a name that uh, Bob's up with great success as well. His strike rate is well over ten percent. So for a harness trainer that has come from nowhere, he was a uh, he's a retired school principal. And for a harness trainer to come from that and have a percentage and strike rate like he does, he's obviously doing something right. And he's got a very, very nice little two-year-old Rosanna Rebel. Not sure what it's doing on the home turn each time. (sighs) Greg Sugars drove it at Kilmore. It just jumped out of its gear all of a sudden. Did it in a trial at Cranbourne as well. I asked Greg, why is it doing that? And after the race, and Greg said he really wasn't sure. There was no warning at all. It just paced beautifully throughout and then just within a bound it was galloping gallop for about 50 meters it won the trial and it won the race it's now had two starts for two wins i think it must be having a little let up though i know at least terry is so we'll catch up with terry howard as well and finally joel watson (laughs) and no it isn't the valvoline ad aaron finally joel watson will be our last uh our last guest of the show a name we don't know so much about, but he's got two runners as an owner engaged in the Nutrien Equine Final in the Phillies Final on Saturday night, and it's not ludicrous to say that he uh, may win one of these may win the race as well. Uh, and ludicrous isn't one of his horses actually. Joel's bought he bought four horses out of that Nutrien Equine sale. He spent. Uh, I haven't got my notes dead set in front of me, $130,000 on those four horses. So he probably deserves some sort of a collect out of the race. It's a big investment into it. He's got some shares in some other horses that I'm aware of in Triple uh, Eight and uh, some others with Shannon Nixon. But it's a big investment into into the sport to go and buy four fillies. And that raised some questions for me, what motivated him to invest into the sport in such a heavy way? Uh, How did he choose Greg Sugars to train one and David Miles to train the other one? He's then syndicated and leased them back out again, so I wonder why he's done that. And then did he get four fillies because his plan is to start a breeding empire and uh, Joel Watson will have 80 to 100 horses in 20 years' time? I'm not sure about any of those questions or any of those answers, but I had all those questions in my head so I rang him and he said, oh, I don't, think, uh, I don't think I'm that big a harness racing identity. You need to be interviewing me. I've only just bought into the sport. And I said, well, you're perfect because these are the people that uh, we need in our sport. We need people like Joel getting motivated and getting interested. And we need to learn from them what motivated him, what interested him to invest in harness racing and what elements of it have him motivated and excited him. Those questions we need the answers to as an industry, so that we can replicate that out and uh, get more people involved in the sport. Right. That's a long winding intro. I'm having a private conversation here. Uh, As Aaron, yeah, Aaron Cade thought it was the Valvoline ad, so I was on the money there. Now it's not the Valvoline ad; it's something else. And he's obviously not listening because he's very sharp on the text. Normally, uh, this gentleman. And he's obviously not listening. He'll be tuned in, I reckon, at 11.32 as he gets involved in the game plan. And uh, there is a bit of of audio that uh, I'll be playing for him, uh, which came up on my social media feed. Let's take our first break of our Wednesday episode of Trot's Life. And we've got Scotty Garbutt on the other side. And I think it'll be a good chat with Scotty. and, And again, another person who's just getting involved in harness racing, and let's find out why.
3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
4: Welcome back to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. It is your Wednesday edition and we love meeting new and old people on the sport and in the sport of harness racing and this might be both of those. It might be a new person and an old person in the sport. Firstly, Scott, uh, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts do we find you today?
5: Um, not bad. Um, yeah, the Parwin and at the stables. Just work, finished working all the horses, so, yeah, Parwin South.
4: Where, who's, is that your own property, or do you have them at another recognised trainer? Uh, Eric Hurley. Oh, yeah, beautiful.
5: Yeah, Eric Hurley's place. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there, so, yeah, it's nice and quiet, so.
4: Let's go back a step or two. Now, I, I'm only, I'm a... I'm a betting man that David is your father. I'm just making that assumption. So, is that where your interest in harness racing That's came correct. from? Yeah, is that where your interest in harness racing came from, Scott? Because you've only been training in your name for about a year, but your dad sort of toured around with some horses and owned a few that other people trained. So, tell us a bit about the history of the sport in your family. Yeah, man, I got
5: in through through my father, and that he's always been in the horses all his life, and. He used to help Les Turner and Charlie Bell down in the showgrounds. That's how I got involved in them. break in a few with them and learnt how to do it off Les Turner and Yeah, didn't really have much interest in training, but later on in life I did, so <laughs> we just changed course.
4: Is Sunset Invasion the best horse the family's had? That I oh, certainly fee he won a, a Victorian Trotters Derby in a home field and then he went on in your dad under your dad's tuition won the Warrigal and the Bort Trotters Cups.
5: Yeah, he'd be the best horse the old man the family's had. Yep, no doubt. He was a beautiful horse.
4: And a trotter, is there an affinity with trotters? Because you've got a few trotters, but you do have a few paces as well. Is there something about trotters that you like in particular?
5: Uh, yeah, not really. It's just the way the cards are falling with them at the moment. We've only got, I've only got the one pair, two paces, and there's oh, eight, ten trotters, so... At the moment, so yeah.
4: What you're working ten? Six ten what
5: comes in. That's all. You're working ten horses. Yeah, there's ten. Yeah, there's ten horses here. There's six race horses, all ready to race, and there's four babies, four two-year-old trotters, just come back in.
4: So, so you're doing it? Are you doing it full time at the moment? Eh? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Full time.
5: Yep. Yeah. yeah full time.
4: That's that's a big decision. How has that come about? Because obviously, you know, twelve months ago, uh, you hadn't even try, had a runner in in your name at least. Anyway, so what's that, what's transpired over the last twelve months to start training horses full time?
5: Uh well, Graham Rayner, he had a property up at Hopingham Park and they sold, so they moved. We moved down here, and I was doing a lot of breaking in for him, hmm. and that and. They were just a couple of them were just sitting in the paddock, weren't getting a chance. So I said, "Well, I'll get a license and get a trainer's license and start training them all for him." So that's how that came about.
4: So what's your connection to Graham Reno Sounds I, I noticed he's in a lot of the horses.
5: Yeah, he's a family friend. He's family, a good friend of my father's. He's known, they've known each other for about fifty years.
4: Yeah, Yeah. Oh, that's great, mate. So take us through. I used
5: to break them. I used to break a lot of Graham runners in.
4: Yeah, yeah, yep. Now, as as Graham had some really good horses that we'd know, obviously, if he's had a few, and you've broken a few of them in.
5: Yeah, my mission dependent. Oh yeah. He won a couple of Brutus Crowns. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sammy Showdown. He's got him at the Kylie Sugars at the moment. He's a nice little horse. Yeah, he is. Just coming back from injury, apparently. So, yeah, he's had a few nice horses.
4: Yeah, very good. So, there's one tonight, Mont Sally, who's had the five starts and goes to Geelong in a maiden trot. Uh, Look, galloped at its first three starts, ran fourth from four-back defence at the next run, then ran seventh to this good old Shawnee. So, I think the form particularly this preparation, the 4th and 7th, a little bit better than what it probably reads. And you draw to get a pretty soft trip, mate.
5: Yeah, she's a nice nice man. She's just going to take a bit of time just to mature in the brain sort of thing. She's a bit slow that way, but she's got plenty of ability on her when she puts everything together. But she's a funny character. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she does everything right tonight and she can run a place.
4: Yeah, yeah, so uh, Craig Demler driving. You seem to use Craig or Jodie a fair bit too over the journey.
5: Yeah, Craig, Craig, I put Craig on her because I had Darby McGuigan drive her a couple of times and and she wanted to run the run the gate and that, so we put Craig on and, and we've come up with the idea just to let her try and settle a bit before the score up and then let her get up there. And She's not trying to race him out, so Craig's been a big help with her, so... He,
4: Craig's one of the most underrated drivers going around in Australasia, if you ask me, and and probably the most underrated by himself, unfortunately.
5: That's the thing with him, but yeah, no, he is—he's a very good driver, and if he if he keep driving all the time, he'd be up there with the best of them. Yeah,
4: hundred percent, and we can't can't forget what he used to do with a horse like Breeny's Fella, which. Uh, yeah, used to drive it unbelievably sometimes and, of course, won that won that Vic Cup. Uh, now, so plan uh, other horses you've got, mate, why not dream? It's run three yeah. three of its last four starts have been seconds. Absolutely knocking on the door for a win. Are you, are, you, are you desperate to get your first winner or are you happy just cruising along at the moment? Like your record isn't too bad, but you must be desperate to get your first winner in your name, surely.
5: Yeah, there yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a bit heartbreaking, but we'll get there eventually. He goes around next Monday at your, um at Maryborough, hopefully.
4: Yeah, okay. It must be a good chance. You've run into a couple of all right ones too well, along the journey, which doesn't help when they're in maidens. But yeah, you'll celebrate. Will you celebrate pretty hard when you get the, on on either tonight if you get the
5: win or Monday? Yeah, it will be it's been a big one. So. <laughs> We don't mind having a party.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't think we all. There's another horse I want to ask you about, Captain Greywood, and there's a, a BJ Goshine in the ownership of the horse. That's not our favourite friend, the Pacing Priest, surely?
5: Yes, it is. That's him. Yes, yeah. he owns a share of him. He owns fifty percent with Graham Rainer. He's we had a lot of trouble with his back and his action behind, but. He's back in work now, he's not far off trialling. He's a real nice horse if so we can get him right. So at the moment, he's doing different rights, touch wood, so he's not far away from trialling.
4: So, have you had a long friendship with Father Brian as well, or is that more through Graham? More through Graham.
5: Very yeah, more through Graham,
4: Rainer. Very good. All right, Scott, mate, uh thanks so much for coming on and having a bit of a chat on air. We it's a it's a name, as I said earlier, it's a name a lot of us have seen along the way here and there with your with your dad as well and uh one but we mightn't know so well. So nice to get to know you a little bit and uh best of luck tonight and on Monday as well when you've got those horses going around. I'm sure that first win's only just around the corner.
5: Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much.
4: There is Scott Garbutton. I'm not sure it was 100% the best connection somehow. It sounded like there was a, a bit of a delay between Scott and myself there, unfortunately. But uh, we love getting these new people back into the sport. And he's just gone from sort of none to having 10 horses and obviously uh, having a crack at it. So hopefully maybe you can get both winners, one tonight and one on Monday with Why Not Dream, who I think it might be a uh, fittingly named horse. Uh, Why Not Dream in the sense that, uh, why not dream and have a crack at harness racing and hopefully get a really good horse and working some babies, you're always a chance. I'm not sure if Montselli is going to be the horse that goes through and and, uh, is a champion. I'm not sure if... uh, even Why Not Dream's going to be a champion, but those babies, you just never know. And hopefully uh, there is a really good horse just around the corner for Scotty and uh, the crew there. And a bit of a team. And Eric Hurley's place, I reckon. I, I should have asked him, actually. I reckon there's a few more people uh, work horses out of Eric's place. And, uh, now, off the text machine. Ah, happy hump day, Toby. Cheers, big fella. And that is the text I've been waiting for because... The champ is here.
5: The champ is here. 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 The champ is here.
4: Big fella, as many would know, is a loyal listener to SEN track. And uh, he was playing uh, Cluedo, I think it was. Uh, with his family, and as he's rocked up to the uh, table to play Cluedo, he was playing that music. The champ is here. <laughs> music. Uh, so obviously he's won last time or something, or he just fancies himself. So when I saw that and heard it, I thought, I know where he's got that from. I've played that for um, for Nikita Ross, I reckon, when she's come on. That's, that's Nikita's little intro music. Uh, well, it was Nikita's intro music. So I thought today when I first hear from you, big fella, I'd have to recount this little story and out you uh, live on air to the 6.5, 6.6 million listeners that uh, Wednesdays with Wombat gets uh, on SEN track. And uh, the champ is here and big fella, not sure you tuned in earlier, but I have done... Another big fella place multi for tonight at Bendigo. And we're having a real throw at the stumps. There's, there's a number of legs. There's, uh, let me count them up. There's five legs in the big fella, fella place multi. And it was $22, uh, $22.30 it was paying. So it, it'll be a simple little bet. It's it's a nice little way of having 10 buck outlay tonight. And if we get on a roll and get all five of them in, you should get a couple of hundred in return. I know at least one of those horses has shortened significantly, uh, it, and it was one. It is one of my best. So there'll be a two hundred dollar game plan off the back of the news, along with the uh, all up place multi as well. So uh, as I said, I, I was playing them big for and just doing them and, and sending them over to you. Uh, but I thought, nah, let's just share them with all the listeners because some others might want to get involved as well and Geelong we have had a bit have had a bit of success at Geelong it's sort of in my in my sort of ballpark There's a bit of a crossover between the eastern side and uh the southwest which are my two strong zones on form so we get that crossover and i don't mind it uh lining up those those two lots of horses and uh don't tell Scotty Garbutt if he's still listening but i will be tipping against his horse montselli so it is drawn not too bad montselli to run a place tonight what odds is it raced for number eight? $19.380 now. I expect Bridget Royale, the pole horse, to lead. Montsoli can sit behind the pole horse's back. He's not without a chance of running a drum at $3.80 off the back of its last two efforts. Uh, the rest of them are pretty even, except for there's two standouts. Obviously, the three and the nine get up early and Dandify. Uh, dandify is the best horse in the race, but it's galloped at all four starts. So... Good luck if you're going to have something on it tonight. You be it'll win if it trots all the way, I think, but I'm not sure it's ready to do that as yet. Let's get to our 11:30 news, and uh, off the back of that, we will go into the game plan, and there'll be a little bit more, I think, about that race because I think it might be a money-making race.
3: The SEN app is now compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So connect your car now to listen anywhere, anytime.
0: Making SEN news this hour. Xavier Campbell has resigned as Essendon C...
4: To SEN track off the text machine from Stu. Colonel Mustard with the candlestick in the library. Love the big fella all up place bet from Stu. From Big Fella. Very funny, Toby. Good one. I'm actually taking legal action against my wife for downloading video footage without my permission. Laugh out loud. I actually won the Cluedo game, so that's why it was played from Big Fella. And he is a champ, too. The champ is, is here with Big Fella. And Stu. Uh, best of luck, mates, with Hortokam yesterday, Ren's second. Sorry, I was about to say best of luck with Cam in the heat. But the race has already been run. You'll make, you're into the final of the Need for Speed. It's turning up being a really nice little horse, Cam. I know he hasn't won any big races for you, mate. But I think you're in it for an interest, and you're getting more than an interest. Now, game plan time's pretty simple tonight. There's, there's no stuffing around. Race four, number three, Maiden Trot. Get up early, $2.80. 100 the win straight out on get up early. Annalise Scott will drive her first winner on get up early tonight. She hasn't got one yet. She's been knocking on the door. She's been driving, driving this horse really patiently, getting it back to the marker pegs. I think this race, Dandify Yes is probably a better horse, but it's got a lot of maturing to do yet. Get Up Early is maturing this campaign beautifully. It's beaten nearly all of these horses at its at its last start. It's nearly the same field when it ran second as Shawnee, and Shawnee is going places. Get Up Early just wins this. $2.80, we'll have 100 straight out on Get Up Early. And then we go to race eight, and this horse was $8 earlier. It's into $5, which is much closer to its right price. Probably a $4 chance, if you ask me. So it's still a tiny bit of overs. And that's race eight, number one, Execution Oro. It's uh, had five starts for Tim McGuigan. Its last couple, it's been coming from four back to pegs and just getting home all right, you know. And it gets barrier one tonight. This field's weaker than what it's been a meeting. It's been getting terrible barrier draws generally of sixes and sevens. It gets a much better barrier draw. Uh, in a weaker field, it's sixth up for Tim McGuigan. It's virtually his home track from Gordon to Geelong. It's not far. Uh, execution Oro tonight. It's $5 and $1.70. I'm going to go $100 straight out on Execution Oro for the game plan. Uh, but you can easily have an each-way bet at a dollar. It's, it's 8 in the field. It's got to run top three. It'll definitely run top three. So the game plan, race four, number three, get up early, 100 the win, and race eight, number one, Execution Oro. Or Oro, 100 the win. Now, Penn's poised. Should have gone out on Twitter by now, so I, I tried something sneaky. For the all-up place multi, there's five of them. Race two, number four, Captain McCraw. Very honest trotter. Gets a bit of a tricky draw, but I think that's giving us good value. $2.60, the place. It'll do everything right. He's been trying to place this horse in its right races, Uh Terry Franklin and he, he, I think he's found the right race here. He likes sticking away from the really better horses and giving his horse every chance when it races. It's at $2.60 still. Race three number nine breathe easy. Oh dear, it's into a dollar thirty-five to place. Three dollars and a dollar thirty-five. It was a dollar sixty-five. So at a dollar thirty-five, I'd nearly leave it out, actually. But it was originally race three, number nine, breathe easy. Up to you if you put it in at $1.35. Race four, number three, get up early. $1.35 35's value, the place there, so we'll leave it in. Race six, number eight, Tipsy Turvy. Uh, Central Otago is the favourite, and it's drawn the pole. Tipsy Turvy is a very nice trotter. It sits, it's drawn eight, so it sits behind Central Otago. It's, it's a very solid place chance at $1.75. And finally... Race eight, number one, execution oro, who's into a dollar seventy the place. So that is the all up place multi. The five legs of them: two by four, three by nine, four by three, six by eight, and eight by one. And in preparation for the show, it was twenty two dollars thirty for that all up place. It'll be a bit shorter than that now. Something you could have ten dollars on tonight. And if we keep rolling through them. Uh, Captain McCraw gets up, then Breathe Easy gets up, then Get Up Early gets up. You'll have a great investment across the night and a great interest in the evenings racing at Geelong. Now, let's get our breakaway. We'll come back the other side with our great mate Garrick Knight. And I'll have to uh, do some of my vocal warm-ups so I can perform another live-to-air Valvoline ad. Um, Text me through something you want me to include in the Valvoline ad, and I will on the other side of the break.
3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
4: Welcome back to Trot's Life and the 3am is quite significant. It wasn't far off this last time I did this uh, lead intro. So uh, let's go to the intro for Garrick Knight. When they have their first start in Australia, he knows. Essendon's new coach, he knows. Will only in Rome win this week, who knows. Knightexports at gmail.com. They know. Garrick R. Knight on Twitter. You know what I mean. Garrick,
1: how are you? I'm good, thanks, Taz. Always <laughs> a pleasure to join you on Wednesday. Um, finally enjoying some fine weather here in Auckland. So the grass, the gardens, they're very appreciative. They're merciful after a barrage for the last three weeks. That- um, yeah, getting into spring. Nice horses starting to step out over here. I'm sure it's the same on your side of the ditch. Oh. Just heading into that good time here that we love Victoria Cup, New Zealand Cup, and to Dominions coming up the next few months.
4: So. I must apologise, mate, because um, mentioning how fond you are of the grass there, I thought when someone told me that they meant something else, but you're talking about lawns and stuff.
5: Mm, we
1: are a liberal society over here, mate. But unfortunately, the uh, we had a we had a referendum here last year, the year before, and the boomers um, they didn't pass it. So okay. we're stuck here with um, criminalisation. <laughs> criminalization, unfortunately. <laughs>
4: Let's move away from that before we get ourselves in too much uh, bother. There's a couple of very interesting horses actually over. Well, they're both in tomorrow. So. One I think punters will be uh, keen to hear your thoughts on at Charlton tomorrow, race three, number three, So Art I, and firstly, we'll apologise to all the race calls in Australia. So Art I, in a close finish, will be a bit of a mouthful to get out. Now, it's, it's this Aaron Bain Summit bloodstock plus a whole heap of other names, which is a formula we've seen a fair bit of. It's a horse that's had 19 starts for one win, which is sort of the horse they buy. It's trainer Emma Stewart, this combination has been very successful, so what do we expect from So Art I, or is it your guess as good as mine?
1: Oh come on Tobes, you're better than that, you know how it is, I could (laughs) say anything I want about this horse, but we all know it's going to win, anything that Emma Stewart seems to get from New Zealand, these mares, they all just win and win and win and win, so um, look, I don't think it's public. It is public knowledge, so I can say it. She was so she she was bought at an online auction um, a month or two ago for four thousand two hundred dollars by yeah. the crew. Um, so, you know, my my take on her, you know, is, is that she's tougher than she is fast. Um, but her best, her best version is quite good. She went very much off the ball over here in her last prep. Her form just fell right away. But when she was going well, you know, she was quite kind of horse that could park the trip on a fast mile on a big track and get past the leader and be right in the fight at the finish. Never showed a heck of a lot of gate speed. Um, that's not to say she falls off the gate, but she never burned off. Just got out okay. But look, as I said, gate three. Pit driving, Stuart training, not a strong field. Um, the Summit and, and Bane guys, they've got their formula. They, they'll have seen something here that they liked. Um, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll win. I mean, what more can you say? No disrespect to the opponents, but it just seems to be a formula that, you know, punters can um, spend this week's rent money on usually. Wow.
4: Well, interesting that you say she's a bit of a bit there or a bit of a stayer, but won the race over the mile when it won. It only had, it's only had the three starts over the mile. And one of those was when it won and tomorrow's 2100.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, she got a cushy trip that day, I think from memory. Um, yeah, it was, was over a year ago that she was informed. So I did have to go back and, and refresh my memory. And I didn't have a lot of notes on her, which is always a telling sign. Um, I think I only had, I only had her noted for two races, which from twenty starts is probably a little bit less than I would ideally like um but yeah the ability there is some ability there to put it that way, so she's only just got to get out there and roll along and, she, and so I'd say she'll be too good um yeah she's she's she can do a bit of work that that's probably her yeah, it goes there, yeah.
4: now, yeah, now there's another one tomorrow at Kilmore. We just had a strange one come in on the text uh we we might have to get back to that but. There is another one in at Kilmore as I've moved away from your notes. Here we go, Luella, Race Four, Number One, Brent Lilly and Chris Elford. Brent Lilly, no stranger as we well know to bringing horses over from his uh, former homeland. Uh, this horse, forty-three starts, four wins, thirteen placings, has banked forty-six thousand dollars. So that's a considerable sort of a bank, and he's in the ownership this time, B. A. Lilly.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you recall last week we talked about that Trotter Baxter. Um, yeah, yeah. Who won? From memory, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, they brought the pair of them together. I don't know if it was a package or what, but they went over at the same time, basically, from the same barn, Greg and Nina Hope. Um, yeah, you did say that. You did mention it. Yeah, Luella's probably a little bit another, bit, another one a bit like Baxter, I guess. Just there or thereabouts, fairly consistent without doing anything exceptional that, that really gets you excited. Like, she was always she's one of those mayors, she's always in the in the lineup. If she draws well, you're always like, Yeah, you know, I'll throw in for third or fourth. I just felt like she lacked something to, to really go to that next level to be like a you know, in the Australian terms, to be a really good Metro mayor. I d I don't know. I just couldn't whether it was just this you know, some people used to say it might have been a sire or, or whatever, but um she had that bit of speed, but she just never really was running out her races that strongly. So Long term, I would have some reservations about how far she'll go. I know that's it, Rich, for me to say when she's got a, 50, a 54 placing on her record, but that is at Winton, which is at like a speedway. Um, yeah, she's getting older, not younger. But look, that being said, this week, it's it's an average field, um, and she's drawn well. And a change is as good as a holiday. I say it nearly every week. Um, a lot of these horses that have been in the same barn for two or three or four years, when they go somewhere else, they perk up a bit. So... I expect there'll be some respect factor there um, with the puppet driving, and and obviously a fresh outliner for for Brent. So probably this week could be the time to back her. Just how far she goes remains to be seen. But I would, I guess, I would coin it that she let me down a few times, and I suppose a few other punters as well. Um, So I'd just be wary of that. Yeah. There's,
4: there's one come in Mm. on Twitter. And I hate, I've never done this to you. We've always prepared them before. But the fields for Cranbourne have just come out. And, oh. and, and Brett Carroll's text through, choggy, C-H-O-G-I, trained by Adam Kelly, driven by Kate mm. Gath. And I see it was getting driven by Mark Harrell. Uh, is there anything off the top of your head that's nine starts with four placings? Do you know a lot about this horse? If you don't, mate, you don't have to answer and throw yourself under the bus here.
1: Very nice, very nice mare. Very nice mare. Owned by a guy, Tom Kilkelly, um, who is now retired, but he was a big time, uh, he owned a car yard down in Invercargill, but also used to be a trainer and, you know, was high up in the official down there. I think he was club president of Invercargill, something like that. Um, T- Tom's had a long association with Adam Kelly he's seen him a lot of good horses over the years that he that he maintained the ownership a few the names escape me right now but rest assured I could there's probably been half a dozen that have all gone I've done a really good job so yeah okay. um, this is an extension of that she's a really nice mare. Um, a couple of starts ago I think it was at Ascot Park she she was last the 800 she came three wide and she finished close up it was a really good run um, and then she was gonna win her next start and if you watch the video, she she hung in and, and, and ran away from the whip or the reins or something and threw it away. So I think she's gonna go a long way. Um I think it's is she still a maiden this yes, week? Yeah, yes. yep, still I haven't maiden. The, obviously haven't seen the field of the draw, but yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's a progressive horse with a lot of ability, so Five. Seven. Now, Mark Carroll. It's interesting when you say that. Yeah,
4: yeah. Go on. Go on to Elder Baron Keeper as well. While you going,
1: he drove Baron I just you, you you sent me an email earlier, obviously as you do every week, and you mentioned Baron Keeper, which raced last night um, for Bernie Hackett and Michelle Walsh and I noticed Mark actually drove it. Um, he's flown over there, which to me says he's probably going to be doing the trip back and forth. I know she's got quite a few targets coming up. The Victorian trotting oaks, the Need for Speed Princess final, the Beaters Crown. Um she's gonna be there through through till Christmas. So I was I was intrigued to see Mark um drive her because he's actually based down in Invercargill. He is, I think, shall we say he, he's involved with a member of the family, so he is flying up to Auckland quite a bit recently through winter to um, take a few drives. Yes, yes and he dro- he drove over Keeper and keep her last couple of starts here. So it's good on them that they've they've kept him with it and um him over, had had the faith to to fly him over. So she's a really nice filly. She had good form here back in the autumn in the New Zealand uh, sorry, the northern trotting derby. Um I think she was the best of the fillies in the Derby. Um yeah, I think sh- she'll go a fair way in her own sex over there.
4: I'll throw some names at you quickly, right? You uh Major Meister mm-hmm. These are some Adam Kelly horses, bred New Zealand. Major Meister, Five Star Anvil, Magical Marn. Yep, that's
1: a a Tom Kilkelly horse. Five
4: five Star Anvil was?
1: No, no, Major Meister was. That was a Tom Kilkelly horse.
4: Uh, Outrageous L? Uh,
1: Couldn't be sure on that one.
4: Magical Marn. Yep. And my Bella Star.
1: No, I don't think so. No. But there's quite a few. I'll tell you what, I'll make sure I look it up before next week or even on Twitter I'll um, I'll put some up there and that can well, he... finalise that yarn. But yeah, that, it's definitely, it's, I'm talking about you know, 10, 15 years he's been sitting horses over there and, yeah. and generally his better ones as well. And, and Adam's done a great job. He's, he doesn't seem to be as prominent, is it just me, or is Adam not as prominent in terms of numbers
5: Correct. anymore than Correct. maybe
1: what he used to be? I don't know whether that's just... But um, he's always been a very, very good strike rate trainer to my eye. So I, um, I know Chogi. I, I expect he'll do a good job.
4: I know some stuff on Adam Kelly about that, but I'm not sure if uh, something I can say out loud. Let, uh, you answered on Twitter as well, okay. uh, perhaps, because Brett Carroll did uh, did mention you did mention you on his tweet about it, mate. Great stuff today. Absolutely wonderful info. And on the short notice too on Chogi, I've I've thrown you a short ball and you just pulled it for six. Thanks a million, and uh, we'll chat to you next week.
1: Thank you, Valvoline man. See you
4: then. Yes, thank you, Garrick. There's Garrick Na Knight, the great from New Zealand, coming on each week. What he doesn't know about anything to do with trainers is not worth knowing. Now, let's go to our break, and on the other side, we'll preview the next hour of Trots Life.
3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
4: Welcome back to Trot's Life. It's almost 12 o'clock for the 12 o'clock news. We've got a big hour still to come. We're going to have a long chat with Terry Howard, former school principal who took on harness racing trainer, and almost on a whim, it seems to me from the uh, outside looking in. It'll be great to get his story, and also Joel Watson, who's not too dissimilar, has put a big investment in harness racing. First the news. We'll come back the other side with a long chat with Terry
3: Howard. Welcome to Wednesdays with Wombat with your host, Toby McKinnon.
4: Welcome back to Trot's Life, and there is something pretty special about freedom, and we'll get into that now, I think, with Terry Howard. Firstly, Terry, mate, uh, how are you, and I'm reluctant to ask this because I know the answer, whereabouts are you today?
2: I'm up in the Sundays mate, looking out over the bay, it's
4: a little bit sunny and a bit breezy but I'm a bit warmer than you are. You're probably not, actually, because this studio is absolutely piping hot. I'm almost down to me jocks in here, which is a frightening thought. Now I've got pants on, but it is it is boiling in here today. Someone's done something to the thermometer. Anyway, we'll get out of that at the moment. Now, I've got you honest. I think you're a very unique story in harness racing. I suppose everyone's story is always unique in, in terms of their life and everything, but... Uh, you come from sort of nowhere to train horses, and you do it at a great 18 wins at 13%. a fantastic strike rate. Let's go right back to being a boy and going to the showgrounds and tell us all about that to kick your story off with.
2: Well, I reckon from the time I was about 11 or 12, uh, I was attending the showgrounds on Saturday night pretty much by myself. By <laughs> um, yourself? And and my mother, mother was very bad influence on me. Uh, she, used to, she used to love me. She loved a bit of a little bit of a better self and loved the trots. And she used to pay, pay me ten quid to take my sister so she could be babysat for the night.
4: So uh,
2: yeah, every Saturday and quite often the trials on Wednesday, I'd make along to those as well. Just loved it.
4: Yeah. Where, where did you live With at this kids.
2: stage? I lived in Strathmore, over in Essendon, so I wasn't too far from the showgrounds. Um, you know, catch a bus or a train was easy. And uh, yeah, it was and so and the trots were big. In those days, like the crowds were like yeah. 15,000 on Saturday night at the showgrounds. Yeah.
4: So, so your mum was happy to get a night off from her kids and send them off to a crowd of ten or fifteen thousand by themselves, and you were somewhere between ten and fifteen, and she was just yeah, happy, happy to take that risk. A different society; it just wouldn't happen now, would it? No, it wouldn't.
2: Uh, mum, mum ran uh, ran TABs. Uh, okay. All her life so she was she was busy you know most things certainly on saturday nights. so she needed she she, I mean, she trusted me to go to the trots so i used to look after myself pretty well but she always needed somebody to look after my little sister Mari. so uh yeah i'd take Mari along. she was eight or nine and we'd, we'd have a lovely night and uh and our arrangement was that if i won she'd get a 10 quid back and most nights she got it back i reckon
4: <laughs> yeah very good so how were you like did yeah. you make some associations and friendships with people that at that time or you know maybe those names uh, escape you now
2: oh look you knew all the big names of course as a fan but yeah. uh as a young kid I, I really had some ambition to try and do something and i went to a couple of lectures that uh that house racing put on at that time i remember listening to george gas absolutely fascinated by him um you know, lecturing to prospective people who wanted to get into the industry, but as I grew up and uh, you know, um, moved on in my career and so and studies and career and family, I just got a bit too busy, and I, I kind of uh, moved away from it.
4: Yeah. So you went into school teaching, and we actually we had a school teacher on uh, in November last year during I uh, did a show on November and men's mental health, and uh, his name Ian Campbell, who's a trainer up at uh, Mildura Way, and he he talked in depth a bit about uh, school teaching and the pressure and the stresses involved. And you weren't just a school teacher. You went right through to a principal, I believe. Yeah. I was a principal
2: for about 20 years out in the uh, Northern yeah. suburbs and yeah, occupied a couple of fairly uh, stressful, stressful positions for sure. Um, yeah. But I had a good career, enjoyed every minute of it. You know, teaching is a very good thing. You, you, you know, you are doing a good thing, particularly in tough areas and, uh, to see uh, the results that come out of it is, is quite satisfying. Trevor Monk up in Bendigo was a school principal, also I understand. Yeah, I, okay. I don't know Trevor. Didn't know Trevor that well, but I knew his son, who was a parrier. But yeah, Trevor Monk was a pretty prominent principal uh, back in the day as well.
4: Is, is there something that crosses over between teaching kids and training a horse, as as sensible and as crazy <laughs> as that sounds?
2: There are some remarkable similarities, and it's about the way you treat horses. kids and horses are the same. You treat them nicely and with respect.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, they'll they'll be very ready learners. Uh, you know, I've got a great line. Of course, people ask me, you know, well, what's it like, you know, moving from education. And I say, well, it's not. I just I'm just teaching horses now instead of kids. I said, and it's better because the horses don't answer back. And their parents never never come to complain. So <laughs> that's that's my one line of Tony, that's Toby, that I always use, yeah. So
4: it's uh, ha- very similar.
2: I mean Yeah. yeah. We'll react uh will react to kindness and respect.
4: Yep. And so will kids no no doubt in general. Well that's just human nature, isn't it? So yeah, it makes it all makes yeah, perfect yeah. sense, but I suppose sometimes in the moment some people do forget it.
2: Some people. what, Sorry, didn't catch
4: that. In the moment, some people do forget it, you know, and and can get frustrated at something, oh, yeah. you know. But um, you you've, you've yeah. had a lot of trading yeah. in it, and to get to principle.
2: Yeah, yeah. But if you get frustrated, you know, with either kids or horses, uh, nobody wins. I mean, the horse uh, the horse won't won't uh, change its habit, it's whatever it's doing wrong, you've just yeah. got to be patient. And the best the best trainers, and the best horse breakers. You know, Glenn Hunter's broken all my horses. Uh, they're just patient and and kind, and they never get frustrated. And you could just t- see the results in the horses. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Glenn is unflappable. I know that he's an amazing man, but and he's absolutely and, so calm. Yeah, and yeah. he's and clearly uh, that was bred into him because Chris is uh, probably just one level above in the unflappable stakes. Exactly the same, correct? Yeah. <laughs> or or even better, as you say, even calmer. Yeah. So. You finish up school teaching, do you? And um, what, what, what does a retired school teacher normally do? Play golf, um, have glasses of red yeah. wine, have holidays in the wit Sundays. I'm not sure what school teachers do in there. <laughs> a, a normal, a normal ex principal. What does a normal ex principal do? And and then at what point did you say, you know what? I love the showgrounds and I loved harness racing. I can have a crack at this.
2: Yeah. Well. Look, I retired in uh, 2013, and uh, and I was doing a lot of those things that you just mentioned, particularly playing golf. I'm a member at Rosanna Golf Course, <laughs> and I was playing about three times a week, but it wasn't really uh, wasn't really doing it for me, you might say. I mean, I love I love the, my friends at the golf club and so on, but uh, I needed something else to keep me uh, keep me interested. And I heard a, an advertisement on uh, on 927 from. Um, Bendigo Harness Racing Training Centre, who were running stable hands courses at yeah. Bendigo, yeah. and I thought, oh, I have a crack at that. I've got plenty of time. My wife's still working full time, so uh, yeah, I went up there. I, I got a ring and, and mm-hmm. we negotiated. I said, you know, do you want an old codger up there amongst all those young kids?
4: And, yes.
2: Yeah, and I, um, Lee Graham and all those people were quite quite happy to have me up there. So I went up there three or four days a week, um, and got my stable hands. Course, absolutely loved it. So I got keener and keener as I went through that twelve month course, and uh, yeah, fin- and I finished uh, quite a few horses before I'd finished up there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, and that was a great course. And you know, Roman Pocock and so on taught me a lot. Uh, one of my fellow classmates, Scott Rains, yep, um, lovely guy, was a fellow student, but but he knew a lot. He was a, he's a very good horseman. He knew a lot about horses long before he went did that course so he taught me a lot you know alongside we're still great friends scott and i yeah i would encourage anybody to uh, pursue that sort of thing
4: so martin hartnett has a bit of a dispersal sale and wants to get get rid of a few horses maybe the bottom end sort of horses to him and and his lots and uh you wandered along and thought well a couple of these will, will do me to learn with and um, I don't think you trained him in your own right initially, but you, 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 Michael Hughes did, and I had no doubt you were there learning with Michael Hughes as well. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I went to a to a clearance sub, not with the intention of buying a horse, uh, <laughs> just for a bit of fun. So I went with a, went with a few other guys, oh, yeah. and this little filly came just came through the the ring, uh, Illawong, Libby. Uh, who had won her previous two starts at Mildura, and I had watched her win, and I thought, what a nice little man, lovely pacing action. Um, and she looked to have a nice nature when I looked at her walking around, and nobody wanted to buy her. Like, the bid got to 2000 and there was really no, no bidders. And next minute, I, I I sensed my hand going up. And uh, so I finished up purchasing her for about 2000 Um you know, not not much really. Pretty interesting though, because I didn't really even own a horse load at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, we we eventually took her off Martin's hands, and Scott Rains actually trained her
4: for the oh, first
2: yeah. uh, three or four months. I had I had her, but then when I I thought I've got to bring my horses closer to home, back to Melbourne. So I made some inquiries down at Cranbourne uh, about their harness training centre. Asked if anybody want a hand. Mick, Mick Hughes said he'd, he'd like a hand you know, with his horses. So I've, I basically worked with Mick for 12 or 18 months very closely and he trained along Libby early days. I took her over training her, I don't know, late 2014, 15, something like that. So um, I learned a lot of Mick, a terrific fella and a great friend, um, great horseman. And he had, a few, he had a win or two with my horses but uh, yeah I won but I'll finish up winning 3 or 4 horses, uh, races with Long Libby but she has, she looks like she's going to be a terrific broodmare because yeah. um yeah yeah so I've given half of her to my farrier Matt Martin who's who's been also a great friend and support and we have been sharing her foals and she's had two so far um and the first one was a pretty good filly called have you met Daisy yep um, he might go on and do do some good things uh, later down the track, but she had plenty of ability, and her second foal is Rosanna Rebel, named after my golfing mates and so on, um, and he's he's pretty smart as well. So that little purchase at uh, Martin's clearance sale has turned out to be uh, pretty lucky.
4: Yeah, yeah. Why why your golf mates? Why does Rebel associate your golf mates?
2: Well, all of my horses that I've bred and yeah, you know, I've had, what, That's seven right. or eight horses or something. The ones that I've bred and named, I've always put Rosanna in them because to start off with, in, in fact, all of them have had my Rosanna Golf mates involved in the partnership. My great friend Peter Kendall is in uh, is in Rosanna Rebel. But I just thought, you know, i just like to have my horses associated with uh, where I live and my golf club that I get a lot of pressure out of. Yep. And I just put uh, Rebel on the end or right. I had a good... Smart Philly Rosanna Rader. She won five or six for me. Yep. Uh, and Rosanna Lindy, good trotter. Yep. Yep. So oh, just, that's just my brand, Rosanna.
4: <laughs> Rosanna's the brand. Rebel is uh, the Golf Mates, maybe. And Rader and Lindy, I'm not sure where they came from, either those words. But so, yeah, you've had those two Illawong horses and they got you going. Illawong Libby, Illawong Lord. They, they won seven or eight between them. And then in 2017, Rader and Lindy came along and by now you're definitely training for yourself and you wanted to have a crack at a trotter as well, was it? Or why a trotter? Is it? it did you want to experience well, the
2: difference? Well, the trotter, well, yeah. So a lot of, the, a lot of the, my good friends down at Cranmer, David Scott and those people, uh, yeah. were in, heavily into trotters. Yeah. And Mick yeah. Hughes is a very good trainer of trotters. And I thought, well, here I am working with Mick Hughes. I'd be silly. Yeah. Not to uh not to get a hold of the trotter and see if I can learn something from him and, and maybe have a bit of success. And Rosanna Lindy turned out to be a very smart trotter. I don't reckon we ever really saw the best of her because she had a few problems uh in the in the hocks and so on. Uh and she's she's in uh, she's in Seoul now to um Sky Valley, uh for a friend of mine, Phil Avery. Um but she was a very good trotter. So I was lucky again, you know, I just went to the sales with Mick and I saw this lovely looking uh, big mare on sale, uh, and I said to Mick, and, and she went through the ring first or second, and I'm standing next to Mick, and and again, like there was hardly any bids for it, about four or five thousand. I said to Mick, that's she's cheap, isn't she?" And Mick says, yeah, buy her," which I did. Yeah, and I had, you know, we made group one finals with her. And yeah, she
4: was a quick trotter. Yeah, spent some time at Conroy's yeah. too. Well, oh, well, yeah, had a lot, of, had a lot of fun with her. Yeah, yeah spent some time with yeah, well, Conroy's. She had a,
2: she did. Uh I had a, she had a lot of ability but she was pretty very risky early in her career and I just decided that maybe a change of scenery for a couple of months might help her and it did. Um so when I she went to um Conroy's for about three months, something like that. Yeah. They managed to win a race with her, uh and she came back trotting very solid. And she just went uh you know, she went uh from from uh, Better and better
4: after that. Um, yeah, yeah, bit of grounding, yeah, a bit and, of difference. And
2: putting some really good performances.
4: Ta, 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 yeah, yeah.
2: The bro- very solid after that.
4: The, the breeding thing, again, like, it's interesting. You come into the sport, you've, you've got a pace, you've got a trainer, you've worked as a stable hand, you've trained them, uh, you, and you've bred from them. It's almost like you've tried to have a go at everything you possibly can. And as you've said, with great success, have you met Daisy and... <laughs> Rosanna Rebel now, two starts for two wins. So was that it? You're just trying to grab every experience you can?
2: I'm seventy one, Toby. So I've got to fit a fair bit in before the end. <laughs> <laughs> so the the breeding side of it the breeding side of it has always interested me. I'm always yeah. I'm far more interested in breeding a horse and bringing it up as a as a baby than I am in taking over somebody's Tried and true trotter. I mean, I I bought Illawong Libby because just to to learn on. Yeah, yeah. um, But she turned out to be a handy little mare, even so. But you get a lot of pleasure bringing them up uh, from uh, you know from being born as foals and so on, and breaking in and so on. Glenn Hunter's helped me with all that. Um, Matthew Martin has been a tremendous support um, for me. My he's a terrific farrier for a start off, and uh, he's helped me with. Looking after the horses when they're stabling and so on, and I'm I love hearing, uh hearing the breeding side of things with, with Matt because he's really into it as well.
4: Now, he's galloped. <laughs> he's had the two starts with two wins. I was at the trials at Cranbourne, and uh, I I know I've, I've been getting the whispers. This horse goes good. It goes good. How are you, Rick Cashman? Um, and he gallops with two hundred and fifty <laughs> meters to go for absolutely later. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Gallops for two hundred and fifty meters to go for absolutely no reason. Finished the trial off really well. I think ran second in the trial, then goes to Kilmore and it was almost step by step around that final bend. galloped in the exact same spot, but knuckled down and still won the race. Do you know why uh, the yeah. rebel is being rebellious on that last corner?
2: That's uh, that's got a lot to do with his name, Toby. You know, like he's, he does things his own way. Yeah, yeah, yep,
5: yep. <laughs> uh,
2: and causes me to have cardiac issues. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I have no idea, and Greg has no idea. Um, I, I reckon we're hoping it's just a matter of tightening up the, the hobbles a notch or two, and we, we put elastics on him uh, to go to Kilmore. Thought thought that that would do the trick, but maybe the elastics weren't tight enough. Um, it's quite amazing the way he gallops then gathers himself up, and then takes off again. I, I haven't seen too many horses do that. Um, it's quite extraordinary. So if he paces all the way, look out.
4: He's <laughs> it, like a high jump. You know how the high jumpers take a couple of steps back but before they we set, we set off? We haven't
2: up. I, I have... Yeah, well, it's almost like he's looking around to say, well, where are you? You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and, you know, I'll give you a chance. And, and when he when they get when he gets amongst it and they're right, they're either side of him away he goes. Um it's uh but it's not it's not good for your health when you have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're lining up. we giving him another little break now because I I would love to have a crack at the uh the platinum
5: bread. Yep.
2: And um of course he's up to about nine and a half grand or something like that in stake money. Uh so I've got to keep him below
4: oh,
1: yeah. ten
2: to be uh, to to be eligible for that. Yeah, yeah. Um And I don't want to race him as an early as a two-year-old. He's done plenty as a two-year-old, so I don't don't want to over-race him anyway. And there's a series of good races after that that we can have a go at. So hopefully he's he's up to that. But even if he's you know even if he's not up to it, uh, it'll be a lot of fun
4: chasing them anyway. So my, my final question, and it's going to summarise this chat a little bit. Yeah, ten ten years ago, you decided to get into harness racing. And you've named names Lee Graham, uh, Scott Rains, Phil Ellery, Mick Hughes, David Scott, Matt Martin, Glenn Hunter, Rick Cashman. I'm sure there's a long list of people, and you, you, you refer to them all as good friends, great mates. Uh, I think more than anything, harness racing's given you not just experiences with the horse yeah. flesh, well, Rick- but with people.
2: And I'd like to say something about Cranbourne Harness Racing Training Centre as well. Yep. Um, to go down there every morning is a pleasure, and you know there's some big names down there now. Like, you know, Noel Alexander and Jane Davies, Scotty Ewan, um, the Jamison boys from New Zealand have just arrived, and whilst I've got a close group of mates, you know, Rick Cashman's been a, a tremendous support, and Max Covey and uh, those guys. Any one of those people I've just mentioned will will take time to help you, give you advice. So I've got a panel of experts, you know, advising <laughs> yeah, me yeah. Uh, about training, uh, training horses, and it and it's and, and I consider them all friends as well. It's great to go down and have a cup of tea with them. You know, it's, yeah. it's just nice. So anybody who is anybody who was considering wanting to get into uh, horses, make you know, make a few inquiries about a stable hands course. The Cranwyn Centre uh, is looking to establish a training uh, course out of out of Cronpin, hopefully within the next twelve months. Um, but even so, you know there are other courses available to you. And uh, here I am, never put a hand on a horse till I was what sixty-two, and uh, training, training a couple of winners. So, yeah, I'd encourage anybody with who loves horses and who loves racing, have a crack at it. It's quite possible.
4: 18 wins at 13% since turning your hand to it with horses in your name and and plenty more other winners that you've owned with uh, Mick and Anne-Marie winning one for you as well. And Terry, mate, great chat, fantastic chat, and uh, loved hearing your story. And and it is a bit unique, and it's a bit similar to, to some others as well. And just quickly off the text, Trevor Monk was my high school principal for a bit. I always thought Trevor was probably the only school principal walking around school on Fridays with the Trotting Weekly hanging out of his back pocket, but maybe not after hearing about Terry Howard, and that sums it up pretty well. Terry, (laughs) enjoy the rest of the wit Sundays, mate. We're a little bit envious and uh, looking forward to seeing Rosanna Rebel in the Platinum early next year.
2: Well, actually, no, it's in October, Toby, so Yes, um October? Yeah,
4: it's,
2: it's about six, seven weeks ago away.
4: Oh, yeah. very, very good. All right, we'll, we'll look forward to that, yeah. and thanks again, mate, for yeah. coming on.
2: Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So, no, pleasure to chat. Enjoyed it.
4: Very good. There is Terry Howard, and what an interesting and unique story. I've been really enjoying these sort of longer Wednesday 20-odd-minute chats and Uh, that might inspire a few people to uh, take the next step if they're thinking about it. And if Cranbourne Harness Racing Club are listening, please, please do something about that stable hand uh, course because whether it's one or two or three or 20 people a year, it's all well worth it. And it just creates so many friendships and relationships between people within the industry. Let's get a breakaway as we're not too far off the 12.30 news.
3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon. Welcome
4: back to Trot's life. And been some uh, gremlins in the system there. I don't know if we uh, did we get through that ad break then or. I'm not sure what happened there, John. Did we, I'm not, I think we had another lot of the news and didn't get our uh, ad break, which means we still have an ad, two ad breaks to get through. So we'll get through an ad break quickly and uh, come back the other side with Joel Watson.
3: listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
4: Well, there's a little boy waiting at the counter of a
3: corner shop. He's been
4: waiting. Now, now, Shannon, calm down. I know you're upset we're talking to Joel, and Shannon's saying, what about me? Not sure uh, the connection there, but Shannon's a bit upset we're talking to Joel. Now, anyway, we've got Joel Watson on the line. Joel, mate, how are you? And I don't know if I should ask this. We just had a bike from the Wit Sundays, and uh, whereabouts are you today?
0: Uh, g'day, Toby. It's great to be on the show today. Um, yeah, I'm uh, ringing in from uh, up at the snow today, up at Mount Poole, uh with kids uh, in a school snow sports. So just up here supporting the kids and uh, skiing around, and uh yeah, great spot to be.
4: Are you getting back for the weekend, mate, and you're heading up to Sydney?
0: Yeah, so we're leaving up here on Friday, and then we'll head up to Sydney. Um, so a few of us owners are going to be on track uh, Saturday night, so it would be great to see the horses go around, and no matter the result, it's just a great outcome to be able to get two horses up there into a final.
4: Yeah, 100%. We might. Uh, wind back a little bit here so what what was your first involvement in a harness racing and and what got you interested in going on the sport
0: uh well my my mother's family's had a history in harness racing over the time her father was involved and then her siblings were involved as well um my uncle the late uncle norman he was a uh a driver and trainer at different stages, and then later in life become a breeder. And he actually bred uh, Manifold Bay, I think the horse's name was. Yeah. Um, but then he actually passed away just before it actually hit the track. So I think the story goes he bred from the same mare about three or four uh, horses that ended up being not much good. And after he passed away, uh, Manifold Bay was what was left on the ground. Um, So uh, that's how originally sort of had a loose connection to the sport, Um, but then a few years ago, Shannon Nixon had uh, invited me into a horse um, with another couple of blokes from Bacchus Marsh, Shane Cook, and that were buying a horse to give a share to Father uh, Father Brian Glashin, Bought that uh, horse out of New Zealand, and originally it raced over in New Zealand. Uh, it's called Triple Eight. So we've had a great experience with Triple Eight, and from that, with the the enjoyment that we had, uh, we've just sort of kept getting involved with more horses along the way, and it's been a great experience.
4: Okay, so Norm, your uncle Norm was. I'm not even sure how to pronounce this. Is it Sait? S A I T is yeah. the family name.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's the family name, Norman Slate. Um, he drove horses in Australia when he was a young fella and then he'd actually gone over to the UK and lived over there for about 30 years um, and then come back here, oh, I would have been the late 80s, early 90s, uh, brought his wife back, Linda, and two girls and settled back into Australia and he just was breeding horses up out here.
4: So the, the mare that... Uh, Natalia Castle, who was the mother of Manifold Bay, was bred by a family called the Castle family, and they've sold many yearlings over many years. Are you aware of that fact?
0: No, I'm not, I am not. wasn't a fair, uh, <laughs> aware of that one, but I think one of our horses is uh, related Tri- into that family.
4: Yep. So you, you've, you've had the share in 888, and then... The nutrient equine sale comes along and you go to the sales and uh, you walked away $134,500 lighter in the back pocket, mind you, and Lot 21 was presented by the Castle family for, and it was purchased with $22,500 and its name is Matriarch. So tell us, tell us a bit, what, what was the motivation to go and buy four horses from the yielding sales?
0: Uh, so we'd had a great experience with the Triple uh, Eight and some other horses we'd had along with Shannon Nixon. Yep. Um, so we'd gone there with the intent to buy fillies, um, just with we're able to race them and post-racing, potentially they got another career there in the, uh, uh, with some breeding from. Yep. Um, we selected out a few. I'd gone through the catalogue and looked at a few and liked a couple. Um, and we'd had some advice from other people, um, Grant Shoemaker, Paul Nixon, and Shannon Nixon. Um, so I'd had a list of horses that I liked to look of, um, and then at the actual sales, Kim Prentice went around and had a look at a couple. A few of those got ruled out, um, and then so we ended up with a list of potential horses that we liked to look of and whatnot that we we're going after on the day. Um, we didn't have a any amount of horses in mind that we were going to buy or not going to buy. Um, and just one thing led to the other and we ended up with four in total.
4: So there's a definite racing and breeding and decision as well. And I was suspect on that because they're all very well bred in particular, uh, the Sun Beach Somewhere National Gallery. There's some sort of foundation looking mares, if that makes sense. Like your first mares, that you get that could breed for generations and generations?
0: Yeah, potentially, yes, correct. Um, uh, we, you never know where it's going to end, um, yeah. and we yeah. haven't got yeah. anything uh, in mind necessarily, but yeah. the likes of uh, thinking about Isla, yeah, she's got some great blood in her, and um, whilst her full brother keeps going around and doing what he's doing, uh, her value keeps going up, and we're just great to have her the standard of bloodlines that she's got in our um, stable now.
4: So something about Isla, where's that name come from?
0: Uh, So all our horses are named after a female figure in my life that had something to do with me or influenced me somehow. Um, So Isla was a semi-like a grandmother figure to myself. Um, It's Isla Closter from Bacchus Marsh. She was married to Bob Closter. And Bob had worked in our family business for about 60 years and in with his ownership group that's well, leasing these ones, Bob's involved. And I asked Bob whether he'd mind if I named a horse after his late wife, Eileen, um, and he was more than happy. So, so she. Uh, the stable name's Eileen and the racing name's something about Eileen. Um, and that all the other horses that we've got, um, they're all named after an individual there and we try and have the racing name somehow tied into the actual person.
4: That's beautiful, mate. I love that.
0: Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. Sometimes you come up with a bit of a shocker of a name, but, um, yeah, well, hopefully it'll uh, keep going on. So
4: oh, you've had some great success with Triple Eight. You, you get to win a race. These two fillies that have raced, that they've had eight starts between them for four placings. Even if it was at Bendigo the other week with Matriarch. Is it going to mean something a bit more to win a race with these horses, even if it's a 7,000-dollar race?
0: Oh, no, no, not in particular. I think it's just great to see them go around. Um, when you've had a horse like Triple Eight, with how good he's gone and the races that he takes you to, um, uh, it's to win a race at Bendigo at all, it is very important to me. Um, and it's more of a reflection that potentially, yeah, you have been able to spot out a horse that's um, gone well and is able to hit the peak of its career. And not necessarily everyone's going to race around in, in the Dominion final. Yeah. And that someone's peak of what their ability can be might be running around on the 7th at Bendigo on a Wednesday night. And so long as it performs to the best of its ability, i would be more than ecstatic. Whereas if you had a horse that potentially was able to make the inner dominion that wasn't performing to the peak of its ability, potentially if it lost that race, that's a letdown. Whereas a horse that maybe was never going to make it in life that's able to win a a maiden, a Bendigo, um, you can be ecstatic about And the likes of what those four horses that we did buy at that sale. One of them has got great bloodlines, but potentially it's not the best horse of all time. That if it was able to make a race and uh, qualify, potentially that's its um, goal in life.
5: Yeah.
1: And it
0: would be as happy seeing that as a result as what we are seeing one of our horses win. So, so you just hope that all of them have the most best opportunities that they can get.
4: Yep, 100%. So how excited are you for Saturday night? And I know you're just going to say you're happy to see them go around. You've mentioned it a couple of times, but at the top of the Angle Straight, I think you'll be standing up out of your chair and having a cheer because both of them went pretty well in the heat. they ran third and fifth, and uh, I think they won't be too far away at the top of the straight anyway.
0: Uh, yeah, it'll be a great outcome. Um, I think uh, both of them are there with their opportunities, uh, that, and especially with the smaller fields. Um, potentially their last Tuesday night or Tuesday Not necessarily everyone showed their true colours. So come this Saturday night, I'm sure all the 10 horses will be going out there and doing their utmost to win the race. Uh, Both of ours, we think they've got a fair chance if they get evens luck. Um, And yeah, so it'll be just a great outcome and I think all the owners that are going to be there that night uh, will just be happy for their horses to go around and so long as they all do their best effort, we'll be happy. Um, If they're lucky enough to win, so be it, and even better if we do run the uh, third and well, no. second, we'll be over the moon.
4: <laughs> it would be pretty magic. If yeah, be a it,
0: great outcome, but, but
4: yeah, um, a dead heat, mate. Even better. Uh, that would be so, something to behold if you could dead heat it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that'll be. <laughs> yeah, it'll make a good storyline. But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll just uh, yeah, see how the horses go. Hopefully, they all show it, uh, turn up on the night ready to race. And, don't carry on too much.
4: Off the text machine. Perfectly summed up, Joel. Best of their ability. You just want your horse to race the best it can. Patrick from Melton. Mate, uh, thanks a million for coming on. It's been a really good chat, actually. And uh, I think from listening to that, there'll be a lot of people, a little soft spot for number five something about Eileen. Eileen. It's, it's a real, uh, it's yeah. a hard word to pronounce. Yeah, that. Ily, Ily Ily.
0: Yeah, Eileen was a great. Eileen. Yeah, yeah. Eileen was a great lady. And uh, she supported Bob all her life. and yeah, it'll be great to see her come home. And, and the same with Matriarch. both of them are great horses and uh, they, hopefully they have a, a long and wonderful career.
4: Very good, mate. And hopefully you do too in harness racing as well. So we, we welcome you with open arms into this sport and uh, look forward to meeting you at the track sub soon. And if you're anything like some of your cohorts, uh, we'll have a beer or three as well.
0: Have a a great night. Thanks for that, Toby. Thanks
4: for having me on. No There is Joel Watson. Uh, Yeah, what a great investment he's made into the sport, and um, hopefully those two horses will form to the top of their ability on Saturday night. Our final break for Trots Life this Wednesday with Wombat. I'm a bit sad I won't be in tomorrow, but uh, we'll address that on the back of the break.
3: You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon.
4: Chirot's Life with your Wednesday edition. I won't be back in uh, tomorrow. It'll be just Jason Bonington. Uh, there was, very sadly, a sudden passing uh, of a wife of one of the judges, of Judge Steve Hardy. It's uh, pretty well common knowledge now. And, um, and all the best to Steve. And his tragic loss of his wife. So... In my role as a judge and timekeeper, I'll be filling in a number of more uh, shifts. So uh, tomorrow uh, we'll be going to Kilmore and timekeeping at Kilmore, which is a night meeting, but I haven't used uh, the new truck as such yet. So I've got to get there early and do plenty of test runs and make sure I've got it down track for the first tomorrow night at Kilmore, which I'm sure we will do, no worries. That's Trots life. Tags and Miles Fitzner. The Dead Set Wednesday 18 a- is back. Oh, I want to tell you what, he, Dead Set, he means business too. The little man is in the studio. Have a great afternoon with Tags and Miles. I'll speak to you next Wednesday.